Two Truths and a Lie, the series that looks at real-life issues and picks apart what's true and what's not. Welcome back. I'm Gila Ross, host of the Power Up podcast, where we cut through the chase and talk about real things that can impact and upgrade our everyday lives. All right, welcome everyone. We are so excited to have Rifki Itzkowitz from Impact Fashion with us. Rifki, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Gila, first of all. Um, like you said, my name is Rifki Itzkowitz. I am the founder and designer at Impact Fashion, which is a line of modest pieces. It's available in sizes two through 24. Um, I've been sewing my whole life, pretty much since I'm 10, which is crazy to say that I've been doing something for more than half my life when I'm 26, but here we are. Um, and I've just always really been interested in, in fashion and design and more importantly, how our clothes make us feel. So when I set out to start Impact Fashion, it was really about kind of just noticing that clothes have this really powerful impact on how we feel about ourselves and how we carry ourselves in a room and how can we kind of use that as a superpower. You know, at, at my core, I really truly believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things that life has to offer. And that is regardless of size, regardless of our preferences in terms of, you know, coverage or otherwise. And, and that's what I'm hoping to do with, with my clothes. I'm also the host of the Be Impactful podcast, which is kind of an extension of impact fashion. Um, and that's a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. So I interview women from all different walks of life, some of whom run organizations, some of whom just run their lives. <laughs> it sounds, the podcast sounds amazing. It really does. I love hearing, you know, about, as you say, cool women and, and what, what they're doing. So it really sounds amazing. So I have to say, um, I found Rifki, I found you on Instagram. Where, As most people do. And one of the things that I really um, noticed about your, your fashion company is that I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's very common to, you know, look at a fashion company and, you know, you see the pictures that they send and it kind of oftentimes makes you feel a little bit less than, if you get what I mean. Mm -hmm. That's not what I get from yours. It's, it's just like, you have a knack for it. Like the pictures, the words, whatever, it just makes you feel like, as you say, you know, you want people to, to love the way they look. You want people to feel comfortable and, 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 and as you say, are, are deserving of, and I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm, I am a mom of, um, I have eight kids, but I have, um, not that, and three of those kids are girls. And I have a, a, uh, a 15 year old girl and a 12 year old girl and a 10 year old girl. So I am an, as well in my role as a, as a parent educator um, with, I, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on the fact that let's face it for us as women, I think I'm, I'm not the only one in saying this. It can, the, the world can be a very difficult place to feel great about ourselves. And for our girls and our preteens and our teens, it can be, it, it can be a really difficult place to kind of feel great about ourselves when so much of the imagery and so much of the messaging that we see around there is kind of making us feel like less than that. You know what? I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds or mm -hmm. I'll be happy when I can make my eyes, you know, my eye makeup like that. I could go on. Right. Right. I mean, you're really in the thick of it. You know, you're talking, you, what'd you say? 15, 12 and 10 are your girls? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, you are 
good luck. That's, that's a really, those are, those are all three really intense ages. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head when you're talking about this imagery, because I think that, I mean, let's, let's face it for as long as there has been a beauty industry. Um, and by beauty, I mean, fashion, I mean, makeup, I mean, skincare, I mean, um, you know, dieting, wellness, whatever they call it these days, like whatever, whatever that beauty word means. Don't, to don't get me started on that. Cause it's the wellness industry is just the diet industry with a different name. Most of the time, it's right? just rebranded so. because nobody, cause everyone's sick of like the, everyone we're, we're right. kind of catching up to the fact that the diet industry is uh, like a bunch of baloney. So now, now, now we're all about wellness and let's meditate. And and granted, I'm a big fan of like meditation in general, but I'm just saying that when it's like that brand of, you know, yoga pants and gluten-free and like very touchy feely. And it's just like, this is all, this is just the same nonsense with a, with a wig on. Um, and all of those industries for as long as there has been a beauty industry, it has kind of been predicated on this, you know, the hypothesis is that we're not good enough. It's, it's, I'm not good enough with the clothes that I have. So I have to buy these, you know, 10 or 15 things that will make me feel fantastic. I'm not good enough with the face that I have. So here are some creams, lotions, potions, you know, colors and eyeshadows and whatever that are, that are going to make your eyes pop, your lips look huge and everything and all your life's problems will be solved. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you say, you know, we've been told this for so long. And I think that it's important to also acknowledge a lot of people make a lot of money off of those messages. A lot of people make a lot of money. And when I say lot, I'm talking literally hundreds of billions of dollars that get made off of these industries. And for me, I think that, you know, like I said, I'm 26. So like, I'm very, I'm like, I'm solidly millennial. Right. And for me, it's having grown up with so many of those messages, like even down to tabloid magazines, where you think about, you know, like what was just happening with Britney Spears and and everything like that. And you compare just, just the way that she was spoken about in the early two thousands. Like I was, I was little then, and like, and I remember that. And all of that is, it, it just reinforces this idea that we need to constantly be chasing something more. And once we get there, then we will be loved, respected, um, people will take us seriously. You know, you need to have the right clothes, the right shoes, the right whatever before people can take you seriously. And that's not to say that those things don't have power. I think they have immense power. But I also think that if we start from a place of, I am inherently, not I need nice things to feel good. I am inherently worthy of nice things. I am inherently someone who deserves nice clothes. I am someone inherently who deserves to pull herself together in the morning if that's what I so choose to do. Full disclosure, uh, you're only listening to the audio. I am in pajamas right now. And because that's my natural habitat. And that's just where I feel fantastic in. But that's, but, and you know what? And for me, the thinking is, you know what? I am most comfortable in my pajamas right now. We're recording this in a, in a spare bedroom in my apartment. And I am deserving of being comfortable right now. And this is not any, you know, you're not, you, if I wouldn't have said that you would have probably all assumed that I was very dressed up and fully made up and all of that. And that's not my natural habitat. So that's not where I default to, I guess you could say. But I think that if we approach the way that we look in the world and the way that we move in the world as from this place of, I am inherently worthy. And then what does that mean to me? I am inherently worthy. And now what? And that, listen, I'm saying that like, it's such a simple thing. I am, I am worthy of all the beautiful things. Yeah, I know it's not so simple, but 
excuse me, but those are, you know, those, those are the kinds of messages that I really think, frankly, I'm sick of them. I'm sick of hearing them my whole life. Um, and I, and I do consider it a little, you know, a little part of the reason why I think I'm on this planet is to make people feel a little bit better about themselves and, and feel a little bit, you know, don't buy my clothes because you feel gross today. And you think that buying something new will make you feel better Buy my clothes because you see it, you like it and you think it'll make, and you think it'll, you know, you think you'll feel good in it and you deserve to feel good. And that's, that's the message I try to get across. And I'm so glad that you received it. (laughs) Yes, I definitely, I definitely did pick it up on it. Um, I hear you. And, and, and I think, you know, um, the idea of, of you're inherently worthy. I think it's, it's such a powerful concept. And one of the things I love about being a Jew is that we say that every single morning. I mean, if, if we say the morning um, prayers, there's that mor- that blessing in the morning where we say, um, God, the soul that you've given me is pure. And, and, you know, we give that message to ourselves that like, hold on a second. It, it's, it's not because you accomplished X, Y, Z, or it's not because you're this or you're that. The fact that you've woken up and you have that soul, like you're inherently worthy, right? Like we, we, we say that every single morning. Um, I want to want to circle back to what you 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 said a little bit earlier because you, when you heard I have three, uh, you know, preteen mm. and two teens, and you were like, "Good luck," and and you know, part of me feels like, "Yes, I need it," but I also feel like, um, um, as a parent, it's not just about luck, right? It's also about, and I think you know, as let, let's not talk about parenting right now. Let's talk about ourselves because I think that's where parenting starts from. It starts from our kids, and especially when it comes to this, you know, our kids see and hear what goes on behind our, our doors it's almost like they, they they kind of feel how how we how we look about out and think about ourselves and, and they pick up on it so how do we what what would you say how to you know to, to us as women like what would you say how do we get that message into our psyche that you are inherently worthy you like how, how do we how do we step out of that that race that kind of tells us like you got it you, you know you got to do xyz before you can sort of enjoy the clothes enjoy the this enjoy or you know feel good about yourself be happy what what advice would you give to us so for me i think that this is where like i think that in a lot of ways this is a chicken and egg problem because a lot of the things that will you know, how we feel about ourselves is internal work. It is not external work. So let's say you made the, you use the example before, you know, once I lose 10 pounds, I'll feel fantastic. The way you feel about your body has absolutely nothing to do with how your body looks. And I can prove it to you. Um, everybody has a time in their life that they can look back on now and see pictures from that time and say, wow, I looked amazing then. Now, depending on your age and stage, that might be when you were in high school, that might be when you were in your 20s, that might be when you were in your 30s or 40s or whatever it is. But wherever you're at right now, everyone can look back and they've seen photos of themselves from whenever they were that time. Maybe it's from before you had kids. Maybe it's right after, excuse me, right after you had, right after you had kids, whatever it was, everyone's got a time when they're like, that was my most perfect version of myself, let's say, in the way that I looked. And when you think back to how you felt about yourself during that time, I would bet that nine times out of 10 at the time that you are now currently looking back on and thinking, man, I looked fantastic at the time. You probably didn't feel that. Um, And at the time you were probably super self-critical, right? Yeah. At the time you were probably just as self-critical then as you are now at the time you probably, um, 
you know, you, you probably didn't feel as fantastic then about that body as you do now about that, you know, past version of yourself, which just goes to prove that how we feel about ourselves is really inner work. It's not outer work, which I think is important to note. At the same time, our brains are really easily tricked. We are. Um, our, our brains are fascinating and our psyche is also something your brain doesn't think that you're lying to it. So one of the most interesting things that I actually heard also is a, um, I actually heard this in camp and it's one of those things that like, it just sticks with you. Um, I went to a camp called Sternberg and, um, there's a trip that they do with, uh, the group is called older pioneers. It's going into eighth grade. So I was what, like 13 or so 14, maybe, I don't know, someone else do the math. Um, <laughs> Something and around that. Some, somewhere in that age, right. Going, entering yeah. high school. Um, and leaving eighth grade, going to ninth grade, excuse me. So um, there's, and they do this trip, it's a caving trip and you go, it is literally a hole in the ground. If you're like, I don't, I know that your listeners are from all over, but I'm pretty sure that everyone is familiar with like the size of a regular, like United States manhole cover. It's a hole in the ground. That's about that size. And you walk into this hole in the ground and then there's this whole other world that opens up and it's, it's muddy and there's water and you've got so many layers on and you have this guide that takes you through. Um, and what he tells you is this might be scary. I mean, it is dark in there. You have your lights and everything. Um, and what he says before you go in is you're allowed to be scared. You're allowed to feel, you know, confused. This is something that you've never done before, but there's a couple things that I want you to know. Number one, I've done this cave hundreds of times. I guarantee you, everyone who comes in is coming out. Don't worry. He actually referred to um, the director of the camp as a guy named uh, Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald. And um, he was a very large man and large in spirit and also in size. And he said, do not worry if you think you're going to get stuck. I have taken Rabbi Greenwald through these caves. If he can make it out, you are going to make it out. Like, really, don't worry. And then the last thing that he said was, if you're scared, which, again, is totally fine. You're allowed to be scared. The one thing that you are not allowed to do is say that out loud, because the second that you say that out loud, that becomes your reality. Because again, our brains don't think that we're lying to them. Why would we lie to ourselves? That's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. It's who, who do you need to impress? <laughs> you know, if it's just you and your own psyche, then who are you? Who, you know, who do you need to impress? There's, there's no reason for you to be lying. So he always said, you can, you're allowed to be scared, but you can't say it out loud. Because the second that you say it out loud, that becomes your reality. And this is where, this is, this is a great tool that I personally have used a lot in my life. We can trick ourselves really easy. Now, like people talk a lot about positive affirmations. I used to think that this was a load of hooey. And I still do to a certain extent. I do think that some people take them a little bit too far. But looking in the mirror and saying, I am awesome, is really powerful. Even if you don't believe it, especially if you don't believe it. Because... The more that you get used to talking to yourself kindly, the more it will come naturally to do that. And the more that we get used to thinking about ourselves in that positive way, the easier it becomes to just think about ourselves in that positive way. And that's something that's really, really, really powerful. And I think that especially when it comes to our daughters, I mean, listen, you have a 15-year-old. You can't lie to a 15-year-old. Like, they, they know. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't lie to a 10-year-old either. Uh, true, exactly. But like <laughs> yeah. even more so a 15-year-old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? At a certain point, probably- But, but I, I think, Rifki, what you're saying is, is 
you can't even pretend to a 15 year old that they know. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like if you say to, yeah, exactly. You can't pretend is such a much better word. You're so right. You can't, you know, you can't really. And honestly, even like, even if you're talking to like a four-year-old, right. Then what's the, the most common question? Why, 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 how, you know, all, all of that or, or what, what those kids want to know. And they, they just, they can sense when something is up. And I think that we, as adults also have this ability, but we're so used to being polite or just not wanting to rock the boat that we kind of, you know, we, we, we don't listen. We're not as in tune with our gut as kids are because kids are just, they don't realize that like, they're not supposed to say certain things. So they just say everything, um, which is hilarious and terrifying all at the same time. And hilarious when it's other people's kids and terrifying when it's your own. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so I think that by working, you know, by working on our own inner voices, that is the best gift that you can give to your daughters. And that is the best gift that you can give to all of your children because they're going to see, oh, my mom thinks that she is worthy. My mom sees that, you know, my mom doesn't think it's a big deal to eat a piece of cake. You know, my mom is not going to talk for three days afterwards about how she needs to consume all the kale and go for 10 runs because she had one piece of cake. Wow. Cake must be really bad. Wow. I like cake. I eat cake all the time. Does that make me bad? If you're not exhibiting those behaviors, then they don't pick up on that. Right. And I love it as well, because when our kids see, let's say, you know, especially when it comes to older teens, like when they see that this is something that we're struggling with, but we're not accepting, I think it gives them the idea that I'm hoping that it gives them the idea that, you know what, just because I'm inundated with these messages, it doesn't mean that I have to accept them, right? Like if, if you know, if you're, if your kids, as you said, I love the idea you say, you know, you look in the mirror and instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so fat, or oh my gosh, I wish I could lose weight, or oh my gosh, my clothes are tight, you know, look in it and say, I'm awesome, or like, you know, I'm strong or whatever, whatever the image, whatever the words you want, or, or like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to use, you know, sh- shine my soul into the world, whatever, whatever that affirmation is that you want to, you want to share. I think, I think it, it teaches our kids that you don't have to accept the messaging that, that, that is out there. You can, you can, you can, you can put your own messaging out um, in, instead. Right. It's also, it's about, you know, the things that we, the things that we say out loud, especially in front of our kids are really, really, really powerful. But it's also about, like you said, what we accept. It's the kind of thing where it's, you know, you mentioned clothes that are too tight. This is something that I'm particularly passionate about. I act, I one time ran an analysis on the um, sizes that I sold. I'm trying to think. I did this in January. I think I did it in January of 20. So I should probably do it again, actually, come to think of it. Um but I was curious because I sell such a wide size range. I stock sizes two through 24. Those are in American sizes. So that's a dozen sizes. It is a, it's an incredibly inclusive range. And I'm hoping at some point in the future to be able to make it even more inclusive in both directions, um, to be able to address more petite women and also larger women as well. And I was curious which sizes were my most popular. And I kind right. of expected that it would be 2022, 24, um, within, uh, I caters, um, to a modest dressing audience within the modest world. Um, there aren't really like, I can think of, I can think of four companies that cater to that size group and none of them do anything even remotely, um, on the same level as what I do. My stuff is a little bit dressier. Um, and it's also just, 
in my opinion, nicer, but that's a different story. Um, and <laughs> your stuff is gorgeous. Thank Brilliant. you. Thank you. So I did an analysis on which sizes were the most popular. And I got very interesting results when I graphed out based on, you know, what I had sold up, up until that point in the lifetime of the company, which at the time was, I think, four years or so. Um, my most popular size was an 18. And then there was this valley, which was very strange to me. The two peaks were an, were an 18 and a 10. And then when you got to those mid-range sizes, 12, 14, 16, those were among my least popular sizes. And then it kind of looked, it kind of looked like two peaks, you know, where like 10, 18 was the most popular, 10 was your second highest peak. And then it kind of dipped in the middle. So that like 12, that 14 was among my least popular sizes. Now I I only have anecdotal evidence for why, why I think that is. And I don't know. I haven't run any kind of particular study, but anecdotal. I'm curious. Yes. Well, here's, here's my, here are my feelings. And uh, I would love to be able to like really like run some kind of scientific study on this, like get FDA approval on this theory, but we'll see. But either way, um, my theory is that the reason why, you know, because there were two parts to this also, it was like this, I was curious about this really deep valley at around a size 14. And I was also curious about the valley at around a size 22, 24, because we know that there are women who exist at that size. Uh, A 22, 24 is not quite as big as most people think it is, first of all. do, and, do, you, do you have for reference what it is for our UK um, audience? Is it a 16, 18? No, no, no. I no, am no. not it's, it's familiar enough with a UK audience, but give me a second. I'm going to convert it into centimeters for you because right. I only think in inches because I'm a stuck up American like that. So <laughs> the All waist right. on my size 24 is 46.5 inches. And thanks to Google, I'm going to convert that to centimeters for you. And Which that is, is, as you say, it's not that large. No, it's not. It's 118 centimeters. What is looking like about, like you said, like around a UK 16, 18. So the problem actually with trying to convert this into a size is that women's sizes are not standardized. Right. So in, right. So this is, this is actually something that, you know, if you, if you're familiar with my work for any length of time, you know, this is a particular pet peeve of mine. Um, Women's sizes and men's sizes work very differently. So in the U.S., and I believe it's this way in the U.K. as well, um, pant sizes for men will generally be like 34, 36, 38. And that number refers to the inch measurement of the waist. Now, an inch is a defined unit of measurement. We know how much an inch is. Like, we know how much that is. So because men's pant sizes kind of track to this defined unit of measurement, it tends to be more consistent across brands. Any woman who has ever done any kind of clothing shopping knows that sizing across different brands and sometimes within the same brand is made up. It's it's literally it's made up. Consistent. Yeah, it's completely yeah. consistent. That's because women's sizes are not standardized in that way because we kind of assign these other numbers. And European sizes are a little bit better at this um, than American sizes are. But yeah, just for your reference, it's a, it's a, it's a 118 centimeter waist, which is again- right not that big. Um, and I was kind of expecting that those would be my most popular sizes because those, you know, that's where the need was, you know, that's where I was hearing that so many people that there weren't, that they didn't have what to wear. And I, and I, and I want to tackle that first at the higher end, right? When you go to, you know, 22, 24 women in that size bracket, have been told for the longest time that they couldn't possibly look good. 
So when you're in that size bracket, to a certain extent, I have to convince you that the sky is purple before you're willing to make a purchase. And frankly, it is a mission that I choose to accept because, you know, in that, in that sense, it's a, you know, there's a much longer hill to climb. So in that sense, it kind of makes it, it kind of makes sense um, that those maybe wouldn't be the most popular sizes. Also, there's a somewhat of a theory that says that maybe there are more women who wear a size 18 than who wear a size 24. I personally don't believe that to be true. Um, but I think is more popular, what is more likely is that women who wear a size 18 um, pro- are just used to shopping at a size 18. You can still shop in a straight size store. You don't, you're not necessarily relegated only to the plus size section. So they're just a little bit more used to it. And therefore right. it's easier to make the purchase, but it was those 14s that were really stumping me, you know, that really deep Valley in between, you know, that, that high point at 18 and at 10. Anecdotally, I think the reason is, um, I hear all the time, all the time women tell me, I love your stuff. I have whatever, you know, I love your stuff. There's a holiday coming up. There's an event coming up. There's, I'm just, I'm just in the mood, you know, all for whatever right. reason. I'm just waiting until I lose 10 pounds. I'm just waiting until I lose 10 pounds. Then I'm going to, then I'm going to get the next size. You know, then I'm going to get the size down. I'm sure there are many, many women out there that are not giving themselves permission to buy the dress. Right. right? Exactly. Because, because, because ultimately we think that if we are above whatever our ideal size is, and for everyone, that's going to be something different. I do think that there's something magic about hitting a size 10 and my, um, my sales data supports that, um, that we do feel that once we are above a certain size, we are fat, ugly, lazy, don't care enough about ourselves. We feel like we don't deserve the dress. Mm. And, and if you think about it, it's, it's such an awful place to be, first of all. But aside from that, do you know what feels really gross? Wearing clothes that don't fit. Yep. Wearing clothes that don't fit feel really gross, especially when those clothes are too small on you. So let's say you're at a size 14, not feeling so fantastic about yourself. And then you go into your closet and everything there is too small on you. Do you know what that's going to do? It's going to make you feel not so fantastic about yourself. And, right. and it's only going to reinforce that. It's only going to create this cycle where we just feel worse and worse and worse about ourselves. And if we would just buy the clothes that fit, then we would feel way better. We would feel fantastic. You know, if you, and also if you, you know, we all wake up randomly some days feeling fantastic. And with, I think equal frequency, wake up some days feeling less than fantastic, right? Right. We wake up some days and we're just like, nope, not feeling it today. Like I'm having, people call them bad body image days. Some days you're just not feeling it. And we tend to take You know, if you're having one of those days, right, you just wake up and for no reason at all, you're not feeling fantastic about yourself. And then everything that's in your closet fits and looks great and makes you feel great. That's really powerful. Not so much if you wake up not feeling so great about yourself and then everything that's in your closet is too small, too tight. Oh, it's going to you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I am lazy and fat, disgusting, and I shouldn't even leave the house today because this is, you know, this is because why, you know, why do I even bother? Which, by the way, that's not the best place. Like if you think you're going to, you think, if you think you're going to take that mindset and also lose weight from that, which is a whole other discussion, it's not, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. That's not how the world works. That's not how our bodies work. That's not how our minds work. And it's, you know, we deserve clothes that fit. That's it. And when our kids see us buying those clothes that fit, 
by the way, buying the clothes that fit and, and not walking and not, even if we're not talking about it, if we're not saying it out loud, if we don't feel great in our skin, our kids pick up on that. So if our kids see us on a day when we're not feeling fantastic about ourselves and all we're doing is kind of like pinching and tugging and like sucking it in the whole day, what do you think your daughter is going to notice from that? You know, what do you think they're going to pick up on? And it's not going to be, even if I ate the piece of cake, I feel great. You know, or even if I ate the piece of cake, I still deserve to, you know, wear clothes that fit. That's not what your daughter is going to pick up on. And I'm going to venture a guess and say that that's not the message that we'd want them to be getting. Yep. And, and you know, what? I'm listening to you and it like makes me feel like, I don't know, mad, sad. Cause if you think about it, like think about your friends, we don't care what size they are. We like literally right? don't care. We like them because of who, who they are inside, right? Their soul, they, the kindness, that the, the personality, whatever. Who cares, right? Yeah, I did this as an experiment, actually. I actually asked my followers one time, what do you like in a friend? Totally unprompted from nothing. The answers that came back were beautiful. Loyalty, kindness, lack of drama, honesty, openness, like all of these things that are really important in life, right? Not at one point did anyone say she's got to be a size two. Yeah. Nobody says but, that because nobody cares. Imagine if we replace that, right? Every time we looked in the mirror and instead of saying like, whatever, just say, you know, I can be kind, I can be loyal, whatever that value is, like so powerful. Yeah. R- Rifki, if you could burst one myth or if there's one lie about like our body image or self, you know, our confidence in our body image that you could sort of destroy, what would it be? I think it would have to be that we... A lot of people think, you know, specifically with confidence, and I think body image is really tied to this, that there are confident people and there are not confident people and confident people are confident all the time and not confident people just like cry at the bottom of a lake somewhere. Like they're just, they're just, they're hopeless. You know, they're, they're always not confident and people tend to place themselves in that not confident, you know, pool of their own tears type. I think that if we recognize that confidence and body image fluctuate, not only throughout our lives, but sometimes even throughout our days, you know, sometimes even we go through different periods. Like you, you hear about women who, when they're pregnant, feel fantastic. They like are very in tune with their body. They're very, um, like, I don't know, one with mother nature or something like that. Like they just feel very, I, I, I can't think of any other better way to describe it. They're just very Zen and they feel fantastic. And they're like marveling at this miracle that their body can create. And then there are other women who, when they're pregnant are just cranky and tired and don't want to be bothered. Um, and both are perfectly fine. But I think that if we recognize that that same woman who, when she is pregnant and feels glowing, you know, and, um, one with mother nature and all of that, maybe when she's postpartum is feeling a little flabby or a little, whatever it is. Um, And if we recognize that these things wane throughout our lives, they wax and wane and they, and confident people are not confident all the time. And people who feel great about their bodies don't feel great about their bodies all the time. Then we give ourselves more license for the times when we don't feel so fantastic. Okay. This is part of my, you know, this is the season that I'm in and it will come and it will go. And what can I do to get there faster and to make those positive times more prolonged is something that I think each person needs to kind of explore and discover for themselves. Um, but yeah, for me, the biggest myth would definitely be that if, you know, if you're confident then you just are, and if you're not, then you aren't. Um, so true. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm saying like, not, not yes. That what you, I think that was so powerful. 
Rifki, I loved it. I, I loved our conversation. I can't wait to listen to it again because there were so, this is so powerful, so many incredible, power, um, powerful things that, that we had to say. And I'm just going to sum it up with two of the truths because I think we, we, we dropped a few more than just two, two truth bombs and, 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 the, and the lie that you dispelled, the myth that you dispelled. You start off by reminding us that we are inherently worthy. Like we say every single morning, we have an, an, a pure soul and we are inherently worthy. And you reminded us about how powerful what we say to ourselves and we can control what we say to ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror and how that affects us. And I loved what you ended with when, when, you, when you dispelled that myth that we're either confident or we're not confident because it's not true. No one is either or, you know, we have, we have times when we're more and we have times when we're less, which means that we can, you know, those times will come and they'll pass, but we can also move through those different times. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rifki. This was really, really incredible. I loved our... Thank you for taking the time to listen. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. You can get in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram. It's Gilla Ross. And please take a moment to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thank you for your time and have a wonderful day.